This podcast is proudly supported by Drama Victoria. We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record, the Wurundjeri Willem people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. This is a script tease episode where we talk through some of the world's greatest plays, jump through the major plot points, give some background and of course, spoil the ending. All in less than five minutes? We do the hard work so you can do the easy listening. Today we do Cyrano de Bergerac by Edmund Rostin in 1897, although it has been frequently translated and updated and repurposed. Why is it called that? Well, Cyrano de Bergerac is the name of the play's main protagonist. The character is actually based on a real person, whose name was Cyrano de Bergerac, a bold and innovative author. His work was part of the libertine literature of the first half of the 17th century. Like the Cyrano of the play, the real Cyrano was a man of many talents, high courage and equally high spirit. He guarded his intellectual freedom and made many enemies. And like the Cyrano of the play, he was fatally wounded by a falling object. But he was wounded by a stone, and not the log of wood mentioned in the play. Bergerac is the name of a commune in France, so our protagonist is Cyrano of Bergerac. Cyrano is a boy's name, meaning from Serene, an ancient Greek city in Libya. So his name means from Serene of Bergerac. This has no meaning in the play, just a fun fact. Depending on your definition of the word fun, of course. Just to be clear though, this play is by no means a true story of the life of the real Cyrano de Bergerac. What happens in the play? The play is split into five acts. Act 1, a performance at the Hotel de Bourgogne. The year is 1640. We're in Paris at the theatre. Members of the audience slowly arrive. Christian, a handsome new cadet, enters with a friend, Ligniere, who will hopefully identify a woman Christian fancies. The woman is Roxanne, and we learn that there is a plan devised by her and Count de Geis for Roxanne to marry the Viscount Valvere. We hear that the titular character Cyrano de Bergerac has banished the actor Montfleury from the stage for a month. Through happenstance, Christian finds out there is a murder plot against Ligneur, and he goes off to warn him. One thing we learn about Cyrano de Bergerac is that he believes he has a very big nose, and he is very sensitive about it. The onstage play begins with the actor Montfleury, and so Cyrano disrupts the play and forces Montfleury off the stage. Afterwards, Cyrano takes offence at someone mentioning his nose, and during the arguments is confronted by Viscount Valvere and they duel. While they fight, Cyrano invents a ballad or poem that concludes at the same moment that he defeats Valvere. Very impressive. After the theatre is empty, Cyrano and his friend Labrette are alone, and Cyrano confesses his love for Roxanne. Roxanne Chaperone arrives and tells Cyrano that Roxanne wants to meet him, impressed by his wordplay and swordplay. Cyrano now also learns that Ligniere is about to be attacked by a mob. Filled with bravado due to the message from Roxanne, Cyrano vows to defend him. Act 2. The Poet's Cookshop. It is the next day at Cyrano's friend's, Ragnou's, bake shop. The anxious Cyrano arrives and composes a love letter to Roxanne. Roxanne and Cyrano talk privately as she bandages his hand, injured from last night's fight with the mob. She thanks him for defeating Valvera at the theatre, and talks about a man with whom she has fallen in love. Cyrano thinks it might be him, but Roxanne tells him she loves the handsome Christian. Roxanne fears for Christian's safety in the cadets. She asks Cyrano to befriend him and protect him. This he agrees to do. 
Soon Cyrano's captain arrives with all the cadets, including Christian, and they want to hear the story of the battle from last night. When Cyrano recounts the tale, Christian displays his own form of courage by interjecting several times with references to Cyrano's nose. Cyrano is angry, but remembering his promise to Roxanne, he holds his temper, but only for so long, and soon his anger bursts and the shop is cleared. Alone, Christian confesses his love for Roxanne, but he knows he can't woo her because of his lack of intellect and wit. Christian certainly doesn't think he can write the quality love letter Roxanne expects. So, the plot happens, and Cyrano offers his services, including his own unsigned letter to Roxanne. Act 3. Roxanne's Kiss Outside Roxanne's house, Cyrano and Roxanne talk about Christian. Roxanne says that Christian's letters have been breathtaking. He is more intellectual than even Cyrano, she declares. She also says that she loves Christian. Degeis arrives, and Cyrano hides. Degeis has come to say farewell to Roxanne, as he has been made a colonel of the army, off to fight a war with Spain. This also means Cyrano and Christian are off too. Roxanne quickly suggests that the best way for Degeis to seek revenge on Cyrano, for what he did to the Viscount Valvere, would be to deny him any military glory, and she adds that she would feel more for Degeis if he went to war. So he decides to be a war hero and leaves his cadets behind. Roxanne expects Christian to come to visit and tells Cyrano of her plan to ask Christian to improvise a poem about love. Cyrano tries to prepare Christian for his meeting with Roxanne by giving him lines to learn. Christian, however, refuses, saying he wants to speak to Roxanne in his own words. But then Christian makes a fool of himself, making Roxanne confused and angry. Now comes the second most famous balcony scene in Western theatre history, as Christian stands in front of Roxanne's balcony while Cyrano hides and whispers to Christian what to say. He even steps in and pretends to be Christian, hidden in the darkness. In the process, he wins a kiss for Christian. Roxanne and Christian are secretly married. Although Cyrano tries to delay Degeis' arrival, the newlyweds couple's happiness is short-lived. Degeis, angry to have lost Roxanne, declares that he is sending the cadets to the front lines of the war with Spain. Roxanne urges Cyrano to promise to keep Christian safe and to make Christian write her a letter every day. Cyrano can't promise to keep him safe, but he's happy to promise the letters will be written. Act 4, The Gascon Cadets, and we open on the Siege of Arras. The cadets are starving and disheartened. Cyrano has been writing in Christian's name twice a day, smuggling letters across the enemy lines. Degeis chastises the cadets, and Cyrano defends them with his usual bravado, and Degeis gets a spy to tell the Spanish to attack the cadets. Not very nice. But Roxanne arrives explaining that she has flirted her way through the Spanish lines. Cyrano tells Christian about the letters, and provides him a farewell letter to give Roxanne if he dies. Degeis tries to convince Roxanne to leave, and the cadets see he actually has a soft side, and offer him some of the food that Roxanne and Ragnu had brought. Roxanne also tells Christian she has grown to love him for his soul alone, because of Cyrano's letters, and would still love him even if he were ugly. This persuades Cyrano to tell Roxanne the truth about the letters, but before Cyrano can tell her the truth, Christian is brought back to the camp, having been fatally shot. Cyrano realises that he cannot tell her the truth now. The battle ensues, and Cyrano rallies the cadets to hold back the Spanish until relief arrives. Act 5, Cyrano's Gazette Talk about a time jump. It's 15 years later, and the scene is at a convent where Roxanne lives, still mourning Christian. She expects Cyrano to come by as he always has with news of the outside world. On this day, however, he has been mortally wounded. Knowing it will be his last, he asks Roxanne if he can read Christian's farewell letter. She gives it to him, and he reads it by heart. She realises that it is Cyrano who is the author of all those letters, but Cyrano denies this to his death. 
While Cyrano grows delirious, his friends weep, and Roxanne tells him that she loves him. He combats various foes, half imaginary and half symbolic, slashing at the air insensibly, fighting his old enemies' falsehood, prejudice, and compromise, conceding that he has lost all but one important thing, his panache. If you didn't know the play before, you do now. A bit. If you like the sound of it, have a read. That was Scriptease. Remember, this was just our version of the play's story, highlighting the bits we think are important. In this play, we left a lot out. You may also have your favourite bits and moments you want to mention. If you do, please leave a comment on SoundCloud or Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. That's all from us at The Aside in this episode of Scriptees. There are a load of episodes in the bank, including more Scriptees and over 200 episodes of The Aside. If you'd like to ask us a question, do not hesitate to do so at asidepodcast at outlook.com. Thank you to Eltham College for letting us record here, to Aaron Searle for providing the music, to Drama Victoria for their ongoing support, and of course, thank you for listening. <laughs>